For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Red podcast. As always, Luke and Amy coming at you from Journal Star Studios. Excited to finally get some uh, spring football action. We got to see stuff in person. Uh, we're kind of in a, an interesting period now. Winter, the end of the women's basketball season. We'll get into that uh, here very shortly. But spring football is here. It's, uh, it's still been windy. It's still been a little chilly out, but it's finally arrived. It is technically spring. The first day of spring yep. was earlier this week, even though it still feels really cold outside. But Midwest spring, I mean, it's winter or <laughs> summer or both. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for anything. I'm just ready for normal weather. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I really want to kind of wrap up the winter sports. And first off, that starts off with the women's basketball team. Uh, in the, they were in the midst of their postseason run. Last time we chatted, had just beaten uh, Missouri State. So they ended up, you know, advancing to the, the women's NIT Super 16. 77-57 win over Northern Iowa. A really good crowd at PBA for what was uh, eventually the last home game of the year. But really tough moment as, as Sam Hybee went down. And we learned that's the uh, last game of her, her Nebraska and her college career, which is really tough for a, a player that's given a lot for Nebraska. Yeah, it just... They were so scared that it was going to be something serious. Yeah. And it was um, no, uh, nothing specifically released, but um, their fears were confirmed uh, when they got her results back from imaging. Um, it's just, that's not how you want your career to end. And, you know, the men's basketball team had, you know, a similar, not the same, uh, senior uh go down ending their career too with Emmanuel Bandamel. It's just sad. You never want that to happen to anybody. Um, especially Sam, uh, who, you know, is one of the longest tenured Nebraska basketball players, like regardless of men's or women's basketball. So she's made her mark here and it's unfortunate that her career had to end like that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, she's battled so much too. You really gotta you know, think about the long-term health for her, you know, you, you really want the best. And it's like all these injuries kind of add up, you know, just from a, a personal level and how long, you know, she's had to work back towards some of this stuff and really kind of the, the turnaround we saw this year where she was out, you know, you weren't sure if, if she was even going to be able to play at all. Uh, so to come back and, you know, get that experience, I'm sure was a, a great one for her, but it's, it's just so tough that it, it had to end that way. And, just want to touch on some of her all-time career numbers because as you said uh, she has had such a, a tremendous career 139 games played uh, 1618 points scored 642 rebounds 477 assists and 177 steals uh, yeah that's a, that's a lot of action out there on the court yeah yeah I would venture a guess that there is nobody in Nebraska history that has a stat line quite like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She just, they really, really missed her and needed her yesterday. Yep. And I think she, uh, she graduates, I think top 10 roughly in, in career scoring. But yeah, as you mentioned, this was a, 
a big matchup against Kansas, rematch of a, a thriller earlier in the year. It was a lot more defensive, kind of jumbled uh, in this one, but it was season coming to an end, 64-55 loss, uh, as you kind of wrote in your, your column after that. Rebounding and, and free throws were kind of two of the things that, that got Nebraska off course. Yeah, I mean, the rebounding, uh, it was the fewest rebounds that they've grabbed all season. Not, granted, Kansas is a really good rebounding team. Um, they're top 20 in the nation. Um, and then you have Tiana Jackson, who's number three for KU in rebounding in all of Division One basketball. So you know it was going to be tough uh, from that end. Um, but you still got to grab your rebounds. And Nebraska couldn't do that. And that was a huge, huge part of that game. Um, additionally, free throws were a problem. Jazz Shelley, um, you know, was the best on the team all season in free throw percentage uh, outside of Kendall Coley, who shot one and made one. That doesn't quite count, right? It <laughs> does, but not quite. And um, she missed more than half of her free throws. Like Nebraska shot like 33% from the line, which is out of the norm for them by a significant margin. It was the lowest for them by at least like 15%. So, you know, you do, you miss like six free throws, I think, in total. And it's like a nine-point game. And obviously a lot of that came from KU converting their free throws at the end in a, you know, a foul game. So you wonder how things would have been different um, if Jazz didn't have an uncharacteristically bad night. That is not who she is. Um, and uh, Izzy Bourne, uncharacteristically bad night for her at the line as well, missing two. Um, so you wonder, you know, between maybe your rebounding's a little better, maybe your free throws are a little better. If you have Sam out there, does it make a difference? And I think it does. But, you know, you can't do anything about it now. Yeah, definitely. A little bit of a scoreless stretch it hurt him too and you know just the the scoring down like these games happen you know during the regular season too but it's just you know when it's postseason everything's amplified and the margins are so tight in a in a game like that especially just having those stretches and as you said the free throws that that comes back to hurt them um, but you know if, if we want to look a little bit more big picture about this season as a whole um, we've mentioned it over the course of the year quite a lot how much the injuries have just changed up the team, you know, coming off that NCAA tournament appearance last year, there was kind of maybe the expectation or definitely the hope was that, you know, they continue that success and make it back. They were there for a while. We were talking about them on the bubble, you know, ultimately getting a, a great, you know, chance in the women's NIT, uh, you know, making it to that uh, super 16. Uh, but kind of it, it's been a tough year, you know, for, for the team, they've been through a lot as, as we've said, kind of the injuries and the up and down nature of the season. Um, but as we look back at it, you know, don't want to throw too much into like, is Amy Williams on the hot seat? That's not what we're trying to say, but in seven years, that's uh, two NCAA tournaments, two NITs for her, three postseason appearances the last three years, by the way, though. Um, record 112 and 97, uh, that's a 53.6% winning percentage. And her contract runs through April, 2026. So. There's still, you know, that that concept of stability. But what do you think from her perspective is is kind of the next step to to take that leap that she wants this team to take? Well, first of all, you need to figure out what Izzy Bourne and Jess Shelley are going to do. For sure. Yeah, that is 
like in basketball or like, yes, same sport, like in men's basketball, you know, figuring out what Casey is going to do. Mm-hmm. Same kind of concept here. What are Jazz and Izzy going to do? Um, if they choose to come back, that'll help them a lot. Um, if not, they have to, you know, figure out how to replace two of their, you know, best at everything. Um, and then obviously you lose Sam Hybe too. So that's potentially three, like not just starters, but like the heart and soul of your program that you're mm-hmm. losing. Um, and you've got to figure it out whether you go through the transfer portal, which is always a, always a bonus, always something that you can do. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, they've got to figure out what those two are doing. Uh, soon hopefully yeah that's that's number one thing on the list and you know just thinking about the roster as a whole you know alexis markowski was so good as a freshman you know you you really want to see her take you know a big leap perhaps next year allison widener you know hoping she comes back mm-hmm. fully healthy you know take on that all-around guard spot and then you know there's there's a couple of different players on the roster that you know they've they've gotten you know like three four minutes you know throughout the course of the year and it's that's that question too. Can they make, you know, that jump like Kendall Moerity? Like, can she be, you know, a, a 20 minute a game player who, who has all those different, you know, traits and different things to do in the offense. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different potential moving pieces with that team. It's just, can they all come together? And as you mentioned, that's the, the big off season question, the two, two international players. Yeah. And, you know, you look towards the future, not next year's future, but maybe, you know, Two years down the road, there's uh, one of the best uh, college, or not college, high school basketball players in the country just an hour down the road. Uh, she has not yet committed in Brit Prince. Um, just about every team has offered her, um, with the exception of South Carolina, I believe. Um, so if you would get her, that would be a boon. Um, but that's not for next year. Yeah. That's for you know two years down the road. And she could go anywhere she wants, but that would be pretty big. Uh, for her to land here um but we'll see absolutely a lot of talent in the state that amy williams is going to recruit her daughter kennedy as well yes uh committed to the program uh, a few months ago so that'll be something for the future and as you mentioned transfer portal uh we'll see we'll see the moves that they make uh what what happens with uh born and shelly again the stuff will will play out over the next few weeks and months so uh, we'll keep an eye on things uh but in terms of football as I mentioned, it's the, the first week of spring practice. Uh, they got an early, early wake up there on Monday. It was an early practice, but I think kind of more important or, or more interesting for us was we got the chance to see a bit of that practice on Thursday at about 40-ish minutes um, to kind of view in. Some of that was, you know, just stretching, you know, normal team stuff. But we, we got to see a lot of positional drills, kind of get a lot more of a sense of just how this coaching staff is, you know, approaching this spring period so far. Uh, what what kind of stood out to you from what we saw? It just felt like organized chaos. Yeah. Um, in the few practices we got to see last, like in the fall, um, there was a lot of standing around. Yep. Um, there was none of that uh, yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, all the days were running together. Um, the coaches were loud mm-hmm. and, you know, preaching a lot of instruction and giving constant feedback to literally everyone for everything. Um, there's a 
a lot of running around, uh, no walking between stations. Um, and I, you know, obviously it's the first week of practice, spring practice, right? Yes. But um, it felt like they were, you know, committed, um, which is something that couldn't necessarily be said from before. Yeah, we heard a lot of like, be intentional, you know, and and different, you know, aspects of whatever drills they were, you know, they were focusing on the technique, things like the small details, uh, strength coach Corey Campbell reminding guys to, like keep their mouthpiece in, guys to pull their jerseys over their pads, like, you know, small things, but when they want stuff to be uniform, they want things done right. Uh, that was something that kind of stood out to me. And just, just the amount of people there. I mean, obviously as a media group, there were a lot of us there watching on. Uh, there were quite a few visitors, you know, potential recruits, high school coaches, people just observing the practice, but the amount of support staff, uh, different people that were there, you know, helping out with the drills or, you know, setting things up. It was, it was very clear that, you know, this stuff with, with the, you know, the organized chaos, as you said, you need a lot of people uh, to make sure that that goes off well and you could fit everything into those two hours. So yeah, I was, I was really just impressed to see how all that stuff kind of flowed, even though there was so much going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. And unless we, I can't talk today. Uh, Obviously we only got to see a snippet of that, Mm. right? But it's going to be interesting how things look either the same or different for the next time that we're in there next week. Yeah, for sure. If that's just a a start to things or that's the way that they're going to run it. But a few more uh, updates that came out from there. Uh, We we got to see a little bit of kind of the status of some of the players who are injured or or healing up. Uh, There were some guys wearing yellow jerseys. They were not participating in drills. Those included Nick Henrik, Marcus Buford, Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers, uh, punter Jacob Hole, and Blaze Gunnarsson. Uh, Again, working back to full health. Uh, We'll see when they can participate in those drills. And then guys wearing green non-contact jerseys that were going through drills. Again, just not uh, those contact ones. Defensive back Javin Wright, uh, Jake Applegate, Teddy Prohaska, Dwight Boodle, and Brody Tegaloa uh, were in that group. So yeah, some of that's injury, right, yep. with uh, Teddy. And then for some of the other ones, it's position changes. Yeah, so different stuff. <laughs> different stuff going on, for sure. Um, no single-digit jerseys. That kind of threw us for a loop, too. You know, you get used to seeing some of these guys in their jerseys really kind of associate with that. But that's definitely, if there's ever something that, you know, you can say that's a Matt Rule change right there. That's it, because did the same thing at Temple, did it at Baylor. Kind of this concept of, earning, you know, those coveted jersey numbers. And we heard from Quentin Newsom, it's kind of the concept of who's the toughest or at least, you know, who who does the best job at, you know, going through drills, you know, living up to the team standard. Kind of a an interesting little motivational thing for some of the guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's tough for us though, because yeah. that means that we're trying to figure out who is who. Um sometimes there's three different people that have yeah. the same number. Especially because, you know, this team is bigger than your normal team with all the walk-ons and everything. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was kind of a mess trying to figure out who was who, but we'll figure it out. Yep. And I was keeping a little bit of an eye on uh, the tight ends, was watching them go through drills a little bit. Uh, Just looking at transfer Eric Gilbert, his size just jumps off the page. And not just height, but the way he moves at his size is really impressive. You know, he's, he's quick, he's agile, and he's a, he's a very big guy out there. Uh, Thomas Fedoni, too, he had a, a knee brace on. We heard uh, from Coach Rule a little bit earlier about how he plans on, you know, limiting him, being smart, and, you know, making sure there's not too much. But he looks good. He looks agile, quick. And Jerry and Bonner, a, a wide receiver, too, as well. You know, I was interested to see 
obviously he's got the the length that you want from tight end, but you know, does he match up in terms of physicality? He looked he looked right at home there too. So tight end, that's a spot where up for grabs and also Nate Borkacher, uh, a walk on too. He uh, he looked like he put on a little bit of weight since I seen him in the fall. So those are kind of the guys that stood out to me. Uh, again, you know, in spring, it's like none of this playing time stuff is going to be sorted out at this point, but just interesting to see from a, a physical standpoint where those guys were at. Yeah. And as you know, coaches have talked, you know, tight ends are going to be crucially important in what they do with this offense. So it's not just going to be one. It's not just going to be two. Uh, as Satterfield said yesterday, you know, he wouldn't hate 13 personnel. And I'm like, ooh, you know, <laughs> three tight ends out there. That'd be, that'd be fun. Absolutely. And uh, another quick uh, personnel note, we learned from uh, Matt Rule on Monday that Tommy Hill and Anthony Grant had been suspended for not meeting team expectations. Well, on Thursday there, we saw Tommy Hill going through drills. Saw Matt Rule kind of get up near him, give him, maybe give him a little bit of grief, but good nature grief, you know, kind of, hey, it's good to have you back, uh, that kind of thing. But did not see Anthony Grant there. Uh, again, he was Nebraska's leading rusher a year ago. Uh, so interesting not to have him out there. Maybe opens up the door for a guy like Gabe Irvin, who Rule said he'd been impressed by, or Ramir Johnson, just to, again, you know, playing time is so far off, but the chance to make a, a good, strong impression and really just to kind of stamp your name down as one of those guys that the coaches are, are watching for. Yeah, and Anthony Grant, um, he was at Pro Day um, watching mm -hmm. his teammates, so he is around when he can yep. be. So he's supporting them. He's supporting all of his, you know, former teammates. Um, so he's around. We've seen him, uh, just not at practice. Yeah, we'll see next week uh, if anything changes with that. And the other kind of aspect we're looking for is the three-three-five defense, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. We've heard a lot about positional versatility and spring practice is the best place, you know, for coaches to test that out Again, guys working at multiple positions. So kind of just working on the verbiage of that defense. And one of the more interesting tidbits, I thought Tony White uh, mentioned that Malcolm Hartzog, a guy who played a lot of, a lot of snaps at cornerback down the stretch last year, he's been working a little bit at safety, which I really like. I think he'd be a great fit as kind of a, a free safety or a guy just to kind of roam around the field there if uh, if they do choose to move him there. I mean, this defense, I think, will use a lot of like the positionless type, um, mm -hmm. and that's a perfect example of that, right? How guys don't necessarily fit into a box. Um, they're just going to place them where they need to be based off of skill set and you know, how they read things and, you know, mismatches and things like that. And I think that's a perfect example of how this defense could be good for guys who don't necessarily fit into one pre-ascribed box. Yeah. And the, the other thing too, as we saw from practice on Thursday, it wasn't, it wasn't like guys were just doing position drills. Like, yeah, the, there were certain aspects, you know, that they were broken into positions, but we saw a lot of the defensive work was jumble, you know, linemen, corners, linebackers, like they were all going through these drills together, which kind of goes to that overall idea that they're going to move these guys around, try to create a little chaos and, <laughs> and see what they can do in different spots. So yeah, we'll be interesting, but we're not going to like, yes, the spring game, who knows what they're going to show in that, but defenses take a while, especially a new one like this. Yep. Um, so early stages, tempered expectations, everybody. And temper expectations, uh, perhaps for this weekend, because there's a lot of interest about what's going on at Lincoln, a major 
junior day slash recruiting weekend uh, coming. Dylan Rayola, number one quarterback, uh, number one recruit in the whole country will be here. A few other five stars, a lot of four-star recruits, some return visitors, uh, some guys who are checking out Nebraska for the first time. So a lot of talent coming together. I think, you know, part, part of that is Rayola driven. He's been texting some guys, uh, trying to see what their schedule was, you know, see what they were visiting. So that's a big thing. You know, people are very interested in, you know, how, how the dynamics of this recruiting class will be, uh, because if, if there was a potential Dylan Rayola commitment, which is probably, you know, months down the line, some people are saying, oh, you know, maybe that'll set off a chain reaction, but no matter what, you know, the future has to hold, I think it's still really impressive that how aggressive Matt Rule and his coaching staff have been, because yes, you, you work with these guys individually, like, you know, there's this overall approach, you know, where they see the other people coming in, but the position coaches, you know, the people who've been visiting a lot of these guys at their schools a few months ago, uh, they were setting up those relationships and to get all these players in for one weekend, I think is really impressive. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see, they're going to take in a little bit of practice there on Saturday. Uh, they'll have some stuff going on today, Friday as well. Uh, so a lot of different pieces to that recruiting weekend, but overall a lot of talent in Lincoln uh, getting to know each other this week. Yeah, I can't say I've uh, heard about anything quite like this in recent Nebraska history. So it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So we will see, we'll see what uh, comes to fruition with that again. Maybe you don't expect things to come together immediately. Recruiting takes uh, a lot of weeks. Everyone has their own timeline. So uh, that's kind of the, <laughs> the minor disclaimer for that. <laughs> but moving on to some of the other Nebraska sports uh, that we always want to touch on here. Last time we were kind of in the midst of NCAA championships for wrestling. Stuff was going on literally as we were recording. Uh, but have the full results now to share Mikey Labriola uh, finishing runner up at 174 pounds, becoming the first five time All American in school history, which, yeah, COVID year, you know, that, that adds the extra fifth year. But to do it five years in a row to be an All American, I mean, top of your craft. That is so impressive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He deserves all of the flowers for what he's done over the past five years. Yeah, and put up a put up a great fight there in the championship match as well. Uh, coming up just short there as runner up, but three other Huskers became All Americans: Liam Cronin, Brock Hardy, and Peyton Robb. Nebraska finishing eighth as a team, third straight year they had a top ten finish. Uh, they were fifth place a year ago and tenth the year prior. So good job by Mark Manning to kind of establish them. Obviously, there's these heavyweights, kind of Penn State and Iowa, and then everyone else is kind of fighting for those different spots behind them. But as we've seen, Nebraska doing a good job, always having a few guys up there, All-American, you know, semifinalist status. And as you can see in the team standings, it was uh, another strong effort for them this year. Yeah, it's uh, not a stretch to say that is the most successful men's program right now at the university. No disagreements here. Yeah. Nope. Anyway, moving on to softball, um, they split a pair of games down, down in Kansas, uh, beating Kansas City and losing to Kansas. Uh, and then winning their home opener 3-1 over Iowa State on Wednesday. Of course, it was Courtney Wallace on the mound, seven innings of one-run pitching, and a huge three-run homer from Brooke Andrews on the sixth inning. That was the big decider there. Uh, her sister, Billy, has a team-high 10 homers. She has five, so they've been, <laughs> they've been slugging it, uh, that's for sure. And Purdue coming to town for a three-game series this weekend. Uh, I think the pitching's been pretty consistent from them. The the offense has been a little up and down, so we'll see. You know, that was a, a tight 3-1 affair against Iowa State. 
uh, we'll see what they they have to offer against Purdue. Yeah, it's it's wild that you know it's time for them to play home games already. Yeah, they've been on the road for a really long time. Yeah, it is because there's there's so many games in the softball season too mm-hmm. that they've been all over. You know, they play like six, seven games a weekend. Ultimately, you know, you, you get to come home, get into conference play, and I think things things calm down a little bit on that front. And you can find more consistency because you're not yeah you're playing a lot, but you're not playing as much. Exactly. Yep. And so they'll they'll expect to be uh, one of those top teams in the Big Ten, uh, and so is baseball. But a little bit of a shaky uh, week, so to speak. Uh, series against Nichols, which was moved to Manhattan, Kansas, because of cold weather in Lincoln, got off to a great start. Emmett Olson threw a gem and a two-one win. Then they exploded for seventeen-one win on the second game of that doubleheader, and they decided with Nichols, hey, let's come back on Sunday, play a third game of the series. Well. Maybe in hindsight, Nebraska will be regretting that a little bit. Uh, fell behind early, never led, 10-7 loss. Then they kind of had the chance to get right these midweek games. You get the chance to throw some different guys, uh, you know, maybe experiment with the lineup a little bit. Always a good series against Creighton, uh, but it was a, a chilly night. Will Walsh had a great outing in relief, but Nebraska just crumbled in the ninth inning, and Creighton ended up walking it off on a wild pitch. Pretty brutal. Already lost the midweek game to Omaha earlier this year. So 0-2 against the in-state team so far this year. Not ideal. Yeah. And just kind of looking at this team as a whole, uh, they had some great stretches. You know, we, we heard nine wins in 10 games. Things were really coming together. But I think it's been a, a little bit clear the last couple of weeks that the Friday starter, Emmett Olson, excellent. Saturday starter, Jace Kaminska, also excellent. Sunday starter has really been up in the air. Midweek starters, bullpen. It's like there's a lot of different arms that Nebraska has right now. They're just trying to figure out the right spots to use them in. And as we saw, Will Walsh had a great game. People have been coming up with great performances, but sometimes it's just they don't they aren't all at the same time. And all it takes is just, you know, a rough inning here or there uh, to kind of throw things off course. So that pitching has really kind of been the question mark outside of their Friday, Saturday starters. It's only March, so there's time to figure it out, but time is of the essence, though. Yep, and it is, especially with uh, Big Ten play coming up. Uh, We've seen kind of, in past years, Nebraska getting off to a rough start. That really impacts the seeding in the Big Ten tournament, even making the Big Ten tournament uh, in certain years. So really important not to fall behind early. Illinois coming to town for a three-game stretch, which today... A lot of excitement, expecting a big crowd there at Haymarket Park uh, for jersey retirements of Darren Erstad, Alex Gordon, and Shane Comeen, uh, three of the all-time greats. Kind of crazy that there were no, <laughs> nothing was retired before then, but really I think it'll be a special moment to have it all at the same time as opposed to, you know, being spread out as it, w- as it would have been done, you know, perhaps if they had done that in the past. But three really big uh Big legends there at Husker Baseball should be a, a good crowd on hand, I'd imagine. Yeah, I am uh, venturing over there for media availability um, to write about it, but I can't stay. You know, being allergic to peanuts, I probably shouldn't be doing that. But it's a big enough event. I should. Pro- I need to be over there. And a, a great chance to, you know, hey, maybe these guys will have some good stories to tell. Oh, there's... They will. They absolutely will. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they only get to talk for 10 minutes each, but they could go for an hour. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. would listen. I'd love, love to hear a long conversation between all, all three of those guys. That'd be fun for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
But I think that's all we have uh, today in terms of updates on the sports. As I've said, uh, the recruiting weekend coming up. So make sure to stay tuned. Journalstar.com will have any commitments, any big updates that come out of that weekend. Uh, baseball, look forward to see what Amy can pull together from that and see what they can do. Softball again at home. So a lot going on on uh, that kind of corner of downtown Lincoln. Uh, pretty exciting sports weekend. So appreciate all of you tuning in for the update as usual. For Amy Just, I've been Luke Mullen. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Red podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.